Hi, I'm Resham Arden and this is the Now I Know podcast. I hope you'll come away from this conversation saying, now I know how to support men with their well-being. Please welcome Shravan Alopi, who's an ex-army medic. Welcome, Shravan. Thank you, Rush. Thank you for having me here. Thank you for coming in and being one of my guests. Um, the reason why I really wanted you to come in, because I think mental health for men is really, really important. Mm-hmm. I myself have a son who's nine. And I really want people listening to come away with some really great tips from yourself of how to support the next generation in terms of their well-being. But also, I'd love to hear your journey as an ex-army medic. So I just want to start off with, you know, what age were you when you thought I wanted to go into the army? Like, how old were you? So so that, you know, it sounds so cliché. The typical, you know, childhood boy, I always knew that I was going to be this. And uh, when most people say that, it often it often goes sideways. You know, I wanted to be an astronaut, but for me, I always knew that I wanted to be in in service. I wanted to join the military um, from the age of, of probably like four, probably four, wow. four years old. Yeah, I, I would tell my mom, you know, mom, I'm going to join the army one day, and you know, mums mums being mothers would say, yeah, okay, whatever. It's just the just all the action movies, all the toys and the figurines. But yeah, no, I. Uh, I stuck it through. I stuck it through, yeah. Four, at age four. Yeah. So how did you get into it then? Obviously, you went through school, and then what did you do next? So, so my mom would say it was my dad's influence, because from the age of four, that's when I started to watch, like, you know, uh, action movies, like Rambo, Die Hard, etc. Mm-hmm. But, um, no, so the, for me, the, um, the main influence really came from once coming over to the UK, I joined the army cadets. Okay. I found a sense of purpose there, right? And I joined the cadets from the age of 14. And so from, from that stage, I realized that, you know, this is, this is something that I can dedicate myself to. And I did, you know, I rose through the ranks within the cadets and um, I found myself in a position of leadership. I realized like this is something that I'd actually like to take forward as a career path. You know, it just bolstered that belief system. And so, yeah, I just came just came from that seamlessly into the reserves and then from the reserves going full time, you know, because I was I was in college while I was in the reserves units. And then I moved into full time active duty uh, as a medic after that shortly. Wow. I know you probably can't share too much mm. um, in your role, but did you have to go abroad? I did go abroad. It wasn't any operational the- operational theatres. So any of the uh, any of the, the guys that may know me. You know, there's no there's no porky pies being told. No, I didn't go to any operation operational deployments. However, I did do a few overseas exercises. So when I was with the reserves, I went to Malta. Um, within the regular forces, we went to um, Arnhem, um, Belgium. You know, went to France. So I did train alongside other forces, but um, that was the extent of it. Yeah. So obviously, this topic's about mental health and well-being. When you were training with other members mm. of your team did you notice sort of um people's well-being not being as it should yeah and um i mean most importantly i you know it started with myself i realized that well f- first of all the military right and i say this i say this not to not to come off as if it's like some sort of like hard man lifestyle routine um but the military is not for everybody And it's also something that's not to be looked at as a job, right? And um, the reason I say this is because a lot of young guys have asked me, oh yeah, you know, 
be, be, being a soldier must be so cool. I'd love to do it one day, da da da. And then I ask them why. And often the references are to do with what they see on social media, what they see in movies, what they play in video games, mm. right? And to a degree, I had that, I had that sort of view, which was slightly skewed. But then I woke up to the reality once I got in. And um, yeah, to answer your question, well-being. I mean, I noticed a massive shift in it、um, because all of a sudden, you're no longer just like an avatar in a fictitious world. It's very real. And the the stresses that you deal with on a day to day basis can I mean they do they do stack. We're only human, right? There's only so much pressure a person can take. And with the military, it's it's got a very how, how do I explain it? It's like a passive energy there that just expects and demands more and more and more. It's like the machine that never stops moving. And so that that has pros and cons because there's always an upward、um, there's always like an upward trajectory on how to increase your skills competencies but then there's also a cost of that and I saw that within a lot of my colleagues you know I saw them get worn worn down whether it was through training going on courses、uh, and and not doing so well not doing successfully or not doing as well as they thought they should have the taxation of just Working weekend to weekend, constantly going away on exercises, not really seeing your family as much. You know, it's not to、uh, not to sort of like smear the military lifestyle at all. No, not not at all. But that is the reality of it. And and being somebody who used to, you know, I'm I'm someone who's close to my family. Yeah, I felt initially very homesick at at one point, and so I thought, yeah, this is something that I really need to knuckle down on for sure. In terms of being homesick, how often would you be away from family? So. So for me, I was actually quite fortunate because I never, I was never away for that long. It was like the, like the nine to five sort of lifestyle, but there were moments where I was away for, like a couple of weeks at a time, a month at a time. But when you're constantly in touch with the family, you know, you you, it's almost like when you're away in that period you're away, you start to desensitize a little bit. But then you hear snippets of what's happening back home, and you immediately get drawn back into that environment. And because I, you know, because it's just like mum and I realistically, who are, who are here as like blood family, I, I'm I'm very close to her, and she would ask me, okay, so you know, would you be able to make it for this? And I say, well, sorry, mum, you know, I've got to do this duty, or I'm away for for an exercise here, and you know, I could I could sense the, 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 the not the disappointment, but it's just like oh, oh ah okay, but like a slightly bummed out feeling, and that would just leave me feeling a little bit bummed out. Yeah. Absolutely. So you talk about your mum.、Mm. How did she feel when you? I know as a young child, you said you want you want to be a soldier. Yeah. You want to go into the army, but I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm a mum myself, but that sort of your heart drops. If, if my son said to me, "I want to be in the army," your heart would drop because you think of the worst, right?、Yeah. So how did your mum handle that? That you wanted to go and spread your wings there. <laughs> I think initially, I think initially when I was younger, she she just thought it was just like a like a child, just a child being a child, right? I mean, who? Who doesn't dare to dream and be big, right?、Mm. We all did. But as I got older, I think she started to realize more and more that okay, this is actually something he wants to do. And funnily enough, she just accepted it, you know. And、um, to to expand on that, it was funny because some of our like family friends or our our relatives who would、uh, you know, mum would say, oh, Shraf's going to go join the army, and they'd be like, what? Are you? How could you let him do this? Like, you know, what mother would let their son just go and join the army and you know, do you know, do the whole warfighter thing because that's what they 
that's what they they see on TV. Yeah. But mum's belief system, her ethos is very unique, and she said, "Well, if it's his fate, if he's meant to be there, so be it. Like you, I can't interfere with that." And that's something that he wants to do, and I will not hold him back from his passion. And if that changes, or if he gets maimed, injured, or anything else in line of service, so be it. So um, I think she became very accepting very quickly as as I got older. Wow, <laughs> that's a big lesson, isn't it, for a lot of mums out there? If their child wants to do something, that's, and that's anything, isn't it? Not just the army, just anything their child yeah. wants to do. And um, so what, you, you know, you mentioned there's lots of burnout. Like, I know they, there's, the training sounds rigorous in the army, yeah. but did they ever focus on people's, like, your, you know, your mindset, your, your mental health? Was that not really discussed there? It's more physical. Yeah, so what I'll do is I'll, I'll walk you through the different phases of training and what gets, uh, from my experience, what was the main, like, focus? Because there's always, like, a main intent, a main focus with each uh, building block that, creates the foundations of you know a well-rounded soldier so in basic training they break down the the civilian aspect of you so you know (laughs) the bad habits like binge eating staying up like extreme extremely late laziness lethargy not really taking care of yourself it's not to say that everybody's like that but by the military standard there's a standard that you must adhere to so the focus is very physically demanding it's very um it's very like it's it's our way or the highway, essentially, because you know we're all there by choice, right? You you volunteer, um, you're not voluntold, as they like to say. So mm-hmm. it's very it's very physically demanding because you need to reach the the basic minimum standards to then go into your your next phase of the foundation module, which is your phase two training. Now I went down the medical uh, the medical pathway, which I would say was a lot more focused on mentality, mindset. Um, alongside the physical, um, the physical ability, but also academic, because that school that I was a part of, in particular, was going through um, was going through like a, a a prototype phase where the course itself was um, was like a hybrid medical course where they were bridging how um, how UK medics were being trained with, or rather, two the NHS emergency medical care standard. And with that, there was a lot of, you know, focus on being empathic, developing, you know, a, a good sense of um, bedside manner, having a duty of candor, etc. Because we weren't just going to be operating in a military environment. We were being trained to operate everywhere, you know, and, and a lot of us actually did go everywhere. And I was on the on the home front, essentially. And that was a very mentally taxing, um, very mentally taxing course for sure. Why? So, alongside with the academic pressure, it's just like going to uni or college in a sense, and it was very, very demanding. I mean, within the first four weeks, we had our first pass or fail attempt, uh, first pass or fail test, and if you like, if you failed, especially in my case and my peers who were on that course's case, we were the last course, right? We were called DM10, right? And DM stands for Defense Medic. That was the name of the project, and so we were told, right, guys, if you if you like mess up on a pass or fail attempt, that's it, you're done, and then you're you're no longer eligible to get this qualification. So the pressure was even higher, right? Because on top of that. We had to be, 
we had to prove ourselves to be academically strong enough to you know hold up to the standards of the defense medical school but then there was also the added pressure of okay it's one and done you know wow. you know that, no that's it no 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 second chances and um i think when you're put in an environment like that it becomes very real very quickly and suddenly you know you you start to question other things like can i do this um we start to realize like for me especially i start to realize like okay i'm i'm a human being with with limits because now i'm really feeling the pressure and all of a sudden it's like it's do or die the dream will stop here wow. if i if i don't make the cut if i don't survive the cut and um, especially that is that was especially the case when i actually almost failed my pharmacy module and i remember telling my mum this and i was stressed out she was stressed out and i had five resets in a day and they were all different modules you know like one of them and they all they all demanded different elements of like my my cognitive ability to um to regurgitate information to take information in and then also perform in mock in like a mock environment so i was literally like fighting this little battle on all fronts so that that test really helped me understand like the limits that i i can push myself to but it also burnt me out like massively because after that i just felt like i had no energy left mm. yeah it's um it's very academic and a very like mindset intensive um, aspect of service for sure mm. sense of burnout and i know we're going to keep touching on burnout because sure. it's so important especially with what you went through um did you have any of your friends that were on that same journey as you that didn't even get to that stage that they just they just dropped out before it yeah so i had one friend um who like passed passed all their tests but they just decided i think it was after the first placement cuz the first placement was with the ambulance service so we were you know fresh students like super keen because oh yeah we you know we using the JR calc and we we know all this all this new cool medical jargon and we're throwing all the throwing everything out there right but then you get to your first like you know we call man down casualty and you realize the reality of you know what it looks like for for like what it looks like in in an environment where another human is suffering or um or even worse potentially and i think that was the the point where you know my 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 friend said no enough that was it it's not for me yeah and it's not for everyone that's yeah. that's the truth you know again i i've said it before and i'll say it again it's not like a like a hard man you know only the strong will survive type of routine but you really do need to have the stomach for it because it's not all sunshine and rainbows and um I think more importantly the mindset the mind has to be strong absolutely yeah so what made you leave so i mean i collectively i spent 7 7 years in the military and this was this was like literally at the at the turning point of covid and so i was i was at a point where i was working in like the the equivalent of a of a gp and i started to just feel a sense of stagnation and um yeah i just asked myself like is this really why i see myself for the next 5 
20 years of my life. Bearing in mind, we had just entered a period that I, I don't think we, we've seen in, in like a good century. We, we had not experienced a global pandemic that quite literally froze time, <laughs> you know, froze time and everything to a complete grinding halt. And I started to feel, I, you know, I used that time to really start questioning and doing, doing, you know, like soul searching. I started to really ask myself, like, what's going on here? And the answer that came back was like nothing. And I, I would say I'm, I'm someone who's always been quite in tune with myself. You know, I come from a from quite a spiritual, like strong. I have a strong spiritual baseline, right? And um, whenever I've asked myself a question, even even during the time, like for example, when I was just struggling with like my pharmacy modules, etc., I always had like that, you know, like that inner voice kind of send something back, right? I would send a message, you know, go ping and then pong, something comes back. But for the first time in my life, I heard nothing, like absolutely nothing. It's almost like, it's almost like I quit on myself and I couldn't, I just couldn't wrap my head around why. I also wasn't like mentally in the right place. Um, there, there, were, there were other things going on in my life where it was just building up. Mm-hmm but there was no answer coming back. And then I realized, okay, something, something is not right here. When you mean no answer coming back, like yeah. there's no voice in your head telling you the next step? Pretty much, yeah. Like okay. there's, there's, no, there's no next step. It's, it's like you're on your own, dude. And so, yeah, that, that, that was quite, that's quite a nerve wracking, that's quite a nerve wracking feeling. Yeah. I mean, you say looking back, <clears throat> you weren't in a good place. Yeah. Like, what were those symptoms? Like, someone listening to this, mm. and they, they feel like they're not in a good place. What, what, what would you describe how you were feeling in those times? It's just like being in this perpetual rut. And it's like, you know you're in a rut, you need to change, but you just don't have the willpower. It's almost like I had like this, this heavy, heavy, heavy blanket just weighing me down. And, um, and a lot of it, like now I look back on it, a lot of it was just to, was just to do with my, my lifestyle at the time, which was not very healthy. Um, I was, I mean, I was like in a, <laughs> in an entire flat, essentially by myself. So that also, you know, didn't really help because I was just in these four walls with nothing but my own internal dialogue. And the, the problem with that is when you start to, when you start to create an environment based off your habits, because your habits create your lifestyle. And if they're particularly not very good habits, that internal dialogue starts to twist and mesh and mold towards it, right? Because that ego, that ego is very fragile and it'll do everything to preserve you. So it, you know, one side, it also will try and save you. But on one side, it was saying something's not right here. But on the other side, it was, it was just telling me, look, man, just stay in this, stay in this bubble, stay in this lane. And so symptom wise, I mean, I don't like to just throw throw like you know um diagnoses out or whatever it is but i did i did feel myself like quite heavily depressed i felt myself being sluggish lethargic i just lacked drive my sense of ambition was just cut very short i've always been an ambitious person whenever i achieve something i always want to move to the next rung of the ladder i always want to push myself to see what else is there but there was there was no hunger there was no drive i was just simply existing and that's why I think that voice in my head just kind of checked out because at that point I realized I was checking out of life. I was quite literally just saying, you know what, enough's enough. And um, that's a very dangerous place to be in. 
and the environment that I was in was not conducive yeah. at all. I think what you describe is, is probably common to a lot of people listening because in lockdown, lots of people yeah. lost that routine and that purpose of their jobs because not everyone could just work from home. Yeah. You know, they didn't have those sort of jobs. So, you know, anyone listening, like what was the turning point that got you out of that that depressive state? Did you mm. communicate with someone how you were feeling? Like what was the turning point to change that for you? Yeah. So I, I actually attempted counselling uh, a couple of times. I spoke with one lady who was helping me with like a tough, a tough like relationship issue that was going on, and um, I mean that that again was just like a byproduct of my life, like my lifestyle. You know, I'm, I'm a firm believer in you attract what you are, right? So if you're on a negative downer frequency, you're going to attract negativity. You're going to attract people of that caliber. You're going to attract situations. Or, or things that put you in that situation, even when you start to try and, you know, claw your way out. Um, so I, I needed to develop like a holistic sense of recovery. And the funny thing is, I always had the answers, which I had learned through the military, which was growth will only take place in times of hardship. So I had to then take myself to, the, to a level where I had to push myself and challenge myself and quite literally you know, look the man in the mirror in the eye and be completely honest and accountable with myself. And for me personally, the, the one thing that was a turning point to that was a lifestyle program called 75 Hard. So there's a guy named um, Andy Frisella and um, he, he, he's an entrepreneur who, who created this program to basically build a strong foundation to you know, win those those little battles that we have within ourselves. I've sort of coined like my own little catchphrase, which is "You win the war one battle at a time," and I and I truly believe like that. That's what that's what life is in a sense, right? Yeah. Um, it's it is like a perpetual just fight to constantly be better, to do more. Yeah. So yeah, I won't go into too much detail about that, mm. but that was that was a massive turning point. Another turning point was also consuming the appropriate material. So um, to sort of like peel the curtain back a little bit, I was a hardcore gamer for most of my life, right? And after I left the army, especially, I hit this really this insane, insane period of my time where I was literally spending like, like I'm not even kidding, like 16 hours a day gaming, you know, going to bed at like six in the morning, waking up at like, two in the afternoon because I just lost my routine. I lost the discipline. I lost, just lost it all, right? And so that's why I found comfort, mm-hmm. right? And growth will never take place in your comfort zone, contrary to popular belief. Mm-hmm. Because if you're always comfort, if you're always comfortable, you're just gonna stay there. You're just gonna stagnate. You never venture forward. And so I found myself being trapped in this virtual reality and quite literally like living vicariously through the games I was playing. And that was also like a wake-up call because I was like, well, how is it? Like, for example, like on GTA, how is it? Um, I was on like these, these role-playing servers. I was like, why is it that I'm like a big shot EMT here who's got like a pretty girlfriend and having all these cool social interactions with, with people in this game? But the moment I log off, I feel this like this emptiness inside and I felt this void just like consuming me. It's like the darkness was just filling up the room again. And that's when the, I think that's when the penny dropped. And I said, hey man, like life is a game. Like play as if you would play this, 
But the only way that you're going to get there is by putting in the work, mm -hmm. you know, hitting the gym, reading books that are there to deliver value. You're not gonna, you're not gonna have like a massive revelation by reading, you know, like a, no, no offense to like J.K. Rowling, but like reading through the Harry Potter saga, mm -hmm. terrific books. But as, I mean, look, I'm not gonna learn how to like fly, mm. <laughs> you, you know, and and like build a business yeah. by reading fantasy and fiction. Yeah. So I I started to you know mend and like heal and, and do those do those do those like little boring rituals and steps which is what 75 hours is all about it's like consistency consistency that was the biggest issue as well it yeah. was picking up a skill and then doing it day in day out to the point where that that exciting phase kind of wears off like the honeymoon period wears off mm -hmm. and then you're like oh okay 6am let's go to the gym again i don't really feel like doing it and that's that's where the real progress is made because that's where we start to push against ourselves, yeah. right? And that's where you start to win those battles. Mm -hmm. And that's what wins you the war. Okay. So, yeah. So your social media page is very much about going to the gym and fitness and your yeah. routine in the day. But that's a very big jump from where you were before. So I know you sort of do, you've done baby steps. So what was like your first step to going to the gym? Or were you, did you just go to the gym before that? Yeah, like, oh, like off and on, off and on. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's mandatory in the military. But you see, it's what I call enforced discipline. And if you have enforced discipline, you'll never, you, you, show up for, you show up for the program, you show up for other people, but then when it gets to the, to the crunch time and when it's about you and it's personal to you, you'll never show up for yourself. Constantly just living to fulfill like another person's dream or another person's goal isn't self-fulfillment. Mm -hmm. and, and that's why I'm, I'm such a heavy advocate for you know, these elements of self-improvement. So how I started initially was, I mean, there were like micro baby steps. It was something as simple as, okay, set an alarm to wake up and stick to that. Yeah. And once I started to do that, the next step was, okay, let's just get to the gym. And I learned something very revealing there because it's, it's these, it's, it's like a two-stage action, right? It's like a two-stage mechanism. You've got the trigger, which, which creates the action to fire the, the round, the bullet. And when like, the round leaves the chamber, it creates that momentum, right? And that momentum gets you to the goal. That's the journey, mm -hmm. right? And that's why I say the journey is the reward. Because in order to even get to the journey... You need, to you need to create that spark by pulling the trigger. And pulling the trigger is something as simple as getting to the gym. Because once you get to the gym, you've changed your environment. You move from a uh, warm, comfy bed. Let me just hit snooze and, you know, lie, you know I'll, lie, I'll just say I'll wake up 15 minutes later and then go because I'll feel fresher. Mm. And then next thing is you sleep in for another two, three hours. Ask me how I know. <laughs> you know, you, you do that. Yeah. And then the day's wasted. You don't go to the gym because now the rest of life carries on. But once you get to the gym, everything's shifted. And naturally, the mind just triggers. The mind just switches. It's like, all right, cool. I'm now surrounded by people who are getting after it. I'm surrounded by people who are training. So now I need to put myself into that environment and do it, like do the process. And it becomes so much easier. And this is something I call eliminating decision fatigue. Okay. So that's on the latter end of the scale. 
but that that was literally how I did it. Just start with the most basic thing, like set an alarm to go to bed, yeah. set an alarm to wake up. Okay, yeah. prepare your gym clothes the night before. So you eliminate that decision fatigue. You eliminate the the process of thinking too much. Yeah, it's ready. It's there. Yeah. It's there for you. All you have to do is literally just don your clothes and get out the door yeah, and go. Yeah, be ready. Yeah. It's funny you say that. I used to really try and fit in yoga into yeah. my morning routine. And being a single mum, trying to get kids ready in the morning, it was a nightmare. So I literally now put my yoga mat right next to my bed. So when I step out, I'm on the mat anyway. So yeah. it's not like, oh, I've got to get the mat out. It's literally there. So I... I these little simple tricks are actually really powerful. They can really change your day. Um, and it reminds me of a quote that I've read uh, by Martin Luther King Jr. He mm. says, don't think of the whole staircase, just think of the first step. Right? And that's my first step is <laughs> rolling on top of the, the yoga mat in the mornings. So I think anyone listening to that is just going to really resonate because it is that whole, oh my God, like to go from gaming to going to bed six morning to now getting up and going to the gym is those little small steps are just going to be more easier. And I, um, I, I listened to a podcast the other day of Dr. Um, Mike Hyman, I think his name is with Jay Shetty. And he mm. talks about to change habits, you need community. Yes. So what you sort of ended up building was this community of other people like you, like-minded going to the gym and, you know, knowing there's more people out there like you. I think that's so important. So if anyone um, is listening to this and, and they're in that, let's just say they're in that rut or that gaming era where they, they, they're just in that cycle um how do they build that community if they you know is that talking to somebody like telling someone or getting a personal trainer get an accountability partner how would they build that community yeah so so what so one thing that i personally will would would start off as like a no-no is talking too much because that there's actually scientific research behind this on people who so there was a study of people who would talk about their goals and people actually did their goals and what they realized was they monitored their dopamine levels and they both had the same um, like output of dopamine because when we talk about our goals, the mind starts to believe that, oh yeah, I'm, I'm actually achieving something. It's, it's the same sensation that we get when we watch like a really like a, re like a high intensity action um, movie or even like play a video game. You feel like you're achieving and accomplishing something. You're leveling up in this game. So you think like, yeah, I've made something. Mm -hmm. And then... Once you withdraw from that state of being, you go back to like the, the nothingness that I talk about. Because all you've really done is just sat in front of a screen for like a couple hours. Right. Or in my case, 16. That's a lot of productivity that went down the drain, right? So I would say the first thing to do is to find an accountability partner. And like you said, find a coach. Like I, I found a coach. You know, um, I needed to, I needed to, even though I, I have a baseline of, of fitness and I, and I've, I've stepped into coaching myself now. But in order to even get there, you know, I needed to find somebody who's practiced that. Seek out someone who can coach. And it doesn't even have to be, you know, like a professional coach. It's just your coach could be somebody who's just got that in their routine. It's in their system. Because like you said, you have to surround yourself mm -hmm. by like create the community. You have to surround yourself and be in that environment. And you're a product of your environment. Absolutely. So... That's what I did. I just found a coach for my fitness. To get my, my mindset, my mentality straight, I spoke to a counselor. And then this, this is the important part because I've also worked with people who've approached me and said, hey, I wanna, I wanna change this, I wanna change that. I say, sure, no problem. Here's the plan. This is you know, your diet, etc. Let's get to work. 
and then for the next three weeks I hear very little from them mm. um, or when when I when I look at the data through the check-ins it's exactly the same and I'm thinking well you came to me because you had a problem I'm offering you my services to help you with said problem mm-hmm. but you're not you're not committing never mind committing to this part of the bargain or the deal you're not committing to yourself and mm-hmm. if you don't make that self commitment like it's done it's yeah. it's a wrap there's no there's no point of even continuing because you will just fall short every single time yeah so adherence is like the number one thing mm-hmm. once you've found your like your inroad mm-hmm. again the mechanism the trigger is okay i found the trainer but the momentum really begins when you adhere to getting getting there getting out there yeah wonderful so you talked about your mindset as well so one of the questions i had from you as well so i know you don't you haven't touched on this much here now but i know you're really into your meditation and your mindfulness yeah so what practices do you find really helpful for your mental well-being that you practice yeah so so every day i i do like i i start i started off with just doing like a minute of just sitting still and listening to my breath and it's just something as simple as just have just inhaling gradually and deeply through the nose feeling the air fill my lungs holding that breath and then releasing it slowly and that helped me really curb my anxiety whenever i felt you know anxious or if i just felt like i was just out of out of alignment that helped me just realign and synchronize and there are different breathing techniques now that i've that i've started to study and implement like square breathing mm-hmm. you know just like holding you know breathing in for like 4 seconds holding for 4 seconds exhale for four and hold the breath out for four yeah. and those have also helped me just calm and still my mind and and eliminate the noise right and that that's that's the objective to uh to meditation but one thing i do want to touch on because loads loads of people have said this to me which is oh yeah i've i've tried meditation but i can't seem to just like blank my mind and i say well the idea the objective is not to blank your mind yeah it's to be able to sit still amidst all the noise around us i mean we are we're constantly surrounded by phones that are chiming off and pinging off all the time we've got people sending us emails we've got work we've got personal relationships when do you actually get time for yourself Yeah. Right? And 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 the best time for me that I found personally is the first thing when I wake up. Yeah. First thing when I wake up because that's time for me to to get in touch with myself, check in with myself, see, you know, how am I feeling today? Okay. Yeah. Cool. And that's it. I think breathing is so powerful. I remember when I went for my counseling session, I was getting lots of sort of anxiety and panic attacks, you know, yeah. just trying to get the kids ready in the morning to go to school and you know my therapist said to me the only thing you can actually control in your life is your breath and i used to do exactly the same i do the box breathing i do 3 srb um and that just really calmed me my environment and like you say there's so much chaos going in but i'm just so still and it feels like nothing can affect you so for me breathing's controlling my breath has just been so life changing for me and i do recommend anyone listening to try a breathing technique anyone can you know box breathing or whatever t- type of breathing you find there, there is a you just got to find something that works for you mm-hmm. um and obviously when you're busy like a minute is great you know a couple of minutes i mean i do like 6 minutes of breathing with 3 srb and i think if i could find 6 minutes i can do that i can do it in my car if <laughs> i pick the kids up you know it's a really powerful thing but thank you for that so i know there's lots of uh, you know parents watching with children and one thing i'm really mindful of is 
raising my son to be really open about his feelings and not be that generation that says like man up or you know um don't cry like a girl and that sort of stuff so mm-hmm. you know what tip could you give me to sort of communicate with my son about any of his feelings that he's having when he's coming home but how do we make a an environment for our young generation that they're safe to talk about their feelings yeah so you know that's an interesting one because like i'm a i'm a firm believer in like the masculine feminine energy and everybody has both everybody has both for for men there's this there, there is the social pressure that they need to um they need to be like almost like on two extreme opposites of the spectrum which is is ludicrous like how can you stretch someone and say okay you need to be you need to talk up and you need to like vocalize everything about how you feel but then at the same time you need to be this like stoic you know nothing can move immovable force of nature and the the best way to to sort of find the balance honestly <laughs> in in my personal experience it's actually quality time spending quality time because i learned that from spending like quality time with like my parents you know with with my mom with my dad and hearing them also feeling like i was listened to mm, yeah being really present isn't it that's it it's being it's being present right and um i mean th- yeah th- there's so many there's so many different sort of like behavioral hacks and everything but i i think just keep it simple and it just needs to be from a from a sense of sincerity mm. and i know that there there are people who who will say well i can't have these conversations with my parents or parents will be like oh like don't be silly you know i'm the parent you are like almost like a hierarchy you're the subordinate but i think it's just also recognizing the individual that you're dealing with because yeah. every everybody operates on different tiers of their masculine or feminine energy mm-hmm. and that's how you can get an understanding on how to communicate you know it's okay yeah just what's going on mm. you know and there's different ways to vocalize that there's different ways to get the message across and um i think i think it's also just setting the tone you know that's why for parents it's so important to be that role model because yeah. you are the primary role model that shapes well you 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 know your your next generation yeah. basically they they are your legacy you are shaping them on how to operate and interact with different people in the world and yeah they'll meet a mixed bag of people i mean i i had people who used to call me soft when i was when i would talk about my feelings mm. oh don't talk about feelings that's like that's something that girls do yeah but we then change that don't we we need to change that we yeah. need to flip that script and i feel i feel like it, it's 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 getting there but then that also gets flipped to extremes yeah. right and i think there's there's got to be a balance mm-hmm. there has to be a balance so you you understand what type of boy you have what type of girl you have mm. okay and then you make the conscious decision to convey the message in a way that's appropriate yeah i think yeah that that's something that i've learned yeah and i think that's really important so you know like i say being really present and creating that environment so for example something that's i found that's worked for me and my son mm. is um you know if i ask him after school hey how was your day i'm not really present cuz i'm driving the car <laughs> and he's just like knackered yeah but one thing we do at bath time is he, you know he calls it come we have mad time mad time sounds for mum and dillon time nice is that mum can we have mad time so i'm like yeah and we have it every night and there's two questions i ask him one is um is there anything that happened today that you wish you could change um and then he'll tell me something and that will be something like negative like this happened to me and then we end it on uh tell me describe something that made you laugh or made you happy so he sort of ends his day with a bit of you know positiveness yeah. you know but i had to find those questions to sort of 
not just him to say, yeah, today was fine, you know, and then also when your kids tell you something, what do you then do with that information? Because sometimes they just want to share it and sometimes mm-hmm. they actually want you to solve a problem. So I think for me, what I've learned is my son prefers to chat just before bed when he's winding down. And those are the two questions I can just sort of get out of him. So, you know, what, what would you change today? And what made you happy? You know, it's a really great way. Mm-hmm. But this has been really insightful about how you got out of the of the gaming, you know, and that could be anything from someone listening to, to relate to sort of um, being locked down in COVID to losing that routine. But I think it's so relatable what, what you're going through. And also you're, you're relating to a, a younger generation. And I think if you can do it, I think you'd be a great role model for them. Thank but, you, you know, one, we've got a closing question for you, Shrevan. Mm-hmm. So this podcast is called Now I Know. Yeah. So I want the audience to come away saying, now I know how to support men's well-being. You know, how do we open up to them? So what have you learnt in your recent years about your mental health, which you wish you knew before you went into the army to support your well-being? Ooh, okay. That's a, that's a very good question. You know, f- for me, I think it's also... It's, it's, it's understanding like this, this sort of principle that, that I've started to really, you know, sometimes I have to really remind myself on, which is just because you disagree with something doesn't mean that it's necessarily wrong or bad. And just because everybody else is doing it doesn't mean it's necessarily the right thing or good to do. I think for me um, in particular, it's <laughs> being like a nonconformist and really taking the time. Like if, if I could redo it, I would really take the time to check in with myself and understand just, you know, who am I and what, what is it? What is it that drives me? What's my why? I knew, like I always knew I wanted to be a soldier, but why? But why, yeah. But why? Have a strong why. And I, I say this to my, to my clients, you know, I, I have these conversations with, with other people when they just, when they bounce ideas off me and I ask them why? And you'd be, you know, you'd be so surprised how many people just kind of stop dead in their tracks and they're like, what do you mean? Yeah. Because I think we live in a society, <laughs> we live in a society where everybody is just sort of funneled into like adhering to a lifestyle with social media, everything. It's like, you need to do this because this person does it or because this is the correct thing to do. Because you're Asian, you are going to be either a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher. Accountant. Or accountant, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. And then... It's like, so when someone like, like myself says, oh, I'm going to be a soldier, like people in, the, in that respective community just kind of like look at me and like, Why? are you crazy? Why? Mm. But then, yeah, I mean, t- sorry, yeah, t- to sort of like summarize, I would say just have a strong why. Why, absolutely. Have a strong why, you know, and that, that would answer so many of the, the issues or problems. Absolutely. And that underpins everything else. Love that. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, Shravan. Thank you. I hope people listening here will get some tips on how to get out of the that routine and yeah. maybe to create some small habits to break free from whatever they're going through. Mm. Um, and I think you've probably inspired lots of people <laughs> to open up, and I think it's absolutely great. So how can people connect with you on social media? Yeah, so I have a YouTube channel, which is just my first name, Shravan. And I can people can also reach out to me on Instagram, which is... My first name, last name, at Shravan Lopi. Okay, wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Rash.